0: February 16th, 1976. And let's join Jim Shepard. generation, a voice arrives on the scene that speaks of the hopes and the aspirations of all men. <laughs> Here's the star of our show. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess. Tell you. Tell you. I mean, doesn't it feel great to be a 20th century man? There's not many years left in this century... That's it. Next thing you know, it's going to be a 38th century, but you're frozen in time. Forever. Hey, before I go any further, I am doing a series of shows, and this is the third one in the series, based on the never-never land of America, the Gold Coast of Florida. And out of the Gold Coast of Florida is slowly, even the natives don't seem to notice it, is evolving a new kind of man, a new kind of life, that by the mid-21st century will be as accepted as if it always existed. Up to this point, of course, we've had the country people, people who live in the heaths and the moors, the farm folk, country people. And then we began to evolve a thing called the townspeople. You know, when you, you when you see the program of, of program of an opera, it says uh, the simple townsfolk are found dancing as the scene opens, and we see Lolita on a balcony about to sing of her lost love with the Baron, right? And then, as time went on, we created the urban man. He was the product of Probably the late 19th century, the true urban man that we know today. And now a new one is slowly emerging on the scene, and he's called the Condominium Man. Looking slabs of concrete, basalt, steel, chromium, with guarded gates and hushed drives and muted palm trees, the vast new world, the condominium man, is slowly beginning to evolve. A man as different from his fellows. As the townsman was different from the countryman. And as the urban man was different from the townsman. The condominium man is a new breed. Rootless forever. With no past. No future. Sealed in a tiny capsule. With patio. Overlooking the inland waterway, high in the sky, the condominium man lives, remote from reality. And one of the most touching, perhaps significant things about the condominium man is the names that he gives to his glistening, gleaming towers. They all have vaguely English-sounding, ancient medieval qualities about them, and there is nothing medieval about a condominium except perhaps the armed guards at the gate. Camelot Towers. Guinevere. Arms, King Arthur South, Windsor on the Bay, Buckingham Palace on the Waterway, Out in an air conditioned hush, have all sort of reached back into the rude, brushed world of the English laird's past. Winter there, the Round Table, King Arthur, Sir Mordred. Yes, there is a. Mordred South down there. And every day on the radio and on television, the commercials, all also with the same medieval quality, beckon new converts to the condominium world. It's the way life was always meant to be lived, the way you always dreamed that it could be lived, but never believed that it would. Winnevere Arms just south of Boynton Beach. Rolling lush countryside. Perfect for the horseman and the man who is having trouble with his short iron. For the sun always shines, and the air is always soft and flower-laden, beginning at 39.9, and climbing precipitously from that point, life at Guinevere Arms is one long song. which began so innocently a few years ago, is now like some vast concrete, mysterious army marching ever north. And the day will come when the condominium man will own all the beaches in the world. It's as if we're building a concrete fortress itself around our entire country. a fence of condominiums rising to the sky. Free, all expenses paid. A ninety-nine year lease. It's a nice feeling to get a ninety-nine lease in your hand. A year, a year lease for ninety-nine of them. A ninety-nine year lease when you're a seventy-eight year old man. And over it all the rolling ancient earth. Yes, we are alien visitors in the very outskirts of a new country that is beginning to evolve the condominium man is as different from all his predecessors as the Neanderthal man was different from the ancient myth. He has faint memories a now misty past in some legendary place called Kansas. The condominium man is a flea, flea, and I mean flea with flea. He's a flea trait in the great, vast, map of our solar system always escaping always eluding he's the new man the man of total escape and there will be a day when the condominium man will involve himself with creating his own structures of entertainment and amusement there will be the condominium Disneyland probably 38 stories in the air and there'll be a little Donald Duck who is retired already down here we have condominium theater where they perpetually perform musicals of the early 1920s Johnson is alive in condominium world, and well, and working every day, and so past, present, and future mix in a strange oleaginous mass in condominium world. A man living in Guinevere Towers, eating in the round table beefery surrounded by waiters dressed as yeomen of the guard, is a man who has mixed his past and his present and his time in a way that no one has ever known yet to this point. All of his equipment is electric. Electric can openers leap out of the wall. Electric dishwashers. Garbage is deposited into a very discreet slot. It just appears with a rumble and is never seen again. It may be spewed far out to sea, but the condominium man never knows. And his apartment is known as Stonehenge. Stonehenge, the ancient druids who lived in small holes in the ground and wore rude pelts of the fox of be wolf to keep out the cold and worship the ancient gods, now unknown to modern man. And yet, so it is, very close parallel, so it is, that the condominium man worships gods that none of us know. Ninety-nine year leases with options to buy the swimming pool. Stonehenge by the sea. And it's very close to the Stonehenge, with those monolithic towers. Mysterious. They look like they're unlived in, even when they're full. Very good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but seriously, I honestly believe that 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 you see down here, as you see around in isolated parts of the country, the evolution of a new kind of man. And you know what? I I, I that's going to evolve out of this? Just like all urban men have a certain continuity of interest. In other words, if you live in the inner city of Chicago or the inner city of New York, the way I live, or if you live in the inner city of Minneapolis, there's a certain shared knowledge. Understand what I mean? A city man really is. I mean, you you drop a, a, a... a a classical New York urbanite right down into the middle of Chicago. He's at home. He's in his jungle. He's on his turf. You take a guy from a farm in Iowa and drop him onto a farm in Texas, he's not lost. And so it will be with condo man. He may be called that the condo man. And there will be a national association of condo men. A man living in a condominium in Arizona is living exactly the same life as a man living in a condominium in Miami Beach, in Portland, Maine, in San Diego, they're living the condominium life. And it's a special world, hushed, discreet, piped-in hi-fi. And eventually, of course, there will be condominium troubles will evolve, just like the world of, of the of the farm knows it's, its corn borer. The urban man knows his garbage strike. And so trouble will hit the condo man eventually, and there will be condo riots where ancient men fight it out down in the hushed confines of the totally covered garage. This is W O R New York. And <laughs> speaking of the world of the enigmatic, it's commercial time. You know, uh, I, I, I've thought about it. You know, nobody's written yet about the sociology of the of the condominium, which is different, really. I'm not being funny, I, you know, <laughs> except that it is inadvertently funny. But I'm not. I'm not attempting uh, when I say. I'm trying to be serious here at this point when I say that I do believe the condominium is, de- is developing into a world of its own where, uh, oh yes, there are warring factions. Every condominium, did you know, is a cosmos, almost a, a, a cosmic uh, abbreviation or condensation of real life. You have the radicals. You have the conservatives. In every and uh, their politics is self-involved. It, it's involved with the condominium politics. You have the troublemakers. You have the guys that pour oil on troubled waters. You have the fantastic battles at the board of directors meetings, and of course, ultimately, you even have violence. Oh yes, I know one condominium where they had passed the rule. That nobody under twelve could swim in the swimming pool. Now this was a big condominium. There were hundreds living there, and it was uh, majority rule. And they said nobody under twelve. And one day, without any warning, some guy who didn't know the rule, by the way, uh, brought his, uh, his uh, you know brought a friend of his over to swim in the swimming pool, and they brought a nine-year-old kid. Terror swept the condominium. And within minutes, a delegation of ladies with blue hair appeared beside the pool. And uh, there was a a brief uh, discussion of the problem, and the kid was hauled out of the pool and banished from the kingdom. At which point, the guy, the father, got out of his pool, walked around the pool a couple of times, took the elevator up to the eighth floor, knocked on the door of the guy who had complained, and when the guy showed... He hit him right upside the snoot, therefore splitting the condominium right down the middle. There were pro-snoot hitters, and there were anti-snoot hitters. And before the dust settled, eight months later, several other snoots had been struck heavily. Another couple of turns of the screw, and somebody might have produced the Saturday night special. <laughs> so I'm saying that the condominium world, like all other worlds that man has created, is also occasionally visited by the devil. Oh, yes, in fact, a condominium down here in Fort Lauderdale recently was torn asunder when it was discovered. That an unbelievably active sex ring was operating right in the middle of it, and it was a lot more going on than just the quiet afternoons in the pool. And right now there are 15 different lawsuits, eight divorces. There were two vice raids, and the condominium is now resting between bouts. And so, this, <laughs> this world. And speaking of, of, of the never, never quality of, of uh, life. Uh, of course, see, I think that this life down here, uh, just uh, looking at it as an outsider, uh, is is a forerunner of the way a lot of lives will be lived uh, by the year 2000. You know that they predict by the year 2000 uh, that over 10.5 million people are going to be living in this state. As a matter of fact, they claim that the biggest uh, population growth in the country in the few years is going to be between Daytona, running in a belt, right across the middle part of Florida, over to Tampa. And uh, that, uh, that place is going to be just, you know, just fantastic in the next 20 years. And uh, for anybody who remembers anything about Florida, just a few years ago, you, you, it's hard to believe. I mean, when you when you see the changes that have come about down here, and I, and you know, there's a, there's a theory that that says that one of the reasons this is so, is because in our century, and it is new to our uh, you know to our time in our century, the growth of hedonism has been unparalleled. Now, hedonism, of course, is an old and uh, respected. Uh, Greek philosophy, hedonism means worship of the senses. Now, what is the, you know, This is, uh, we've always, always had the senses. It uh, depends on what you do with them. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so there were times when, uh, when man uh, did not worship the senses. He merely lived and the senses did their thing when they had to do their thing. And it was all. But then... Hedonism means that the thing that the senses do is the end of life itself. In other words, if you believe that life is meant to be nothing but one long, uh, let's say, spasm of fun, you are a hedonist. Now, uh, that has seen a lot of growth in our time. So, hedonists, of course, among other things, the hedonist has always enjoyed the sense of a warm sun beating on the top of his head. There are very few hedonists living north of the Arctic Circle. (laughs) You notice how we always associate hedonism with warm weather? Uh, You know, you never see, whenever you see pictures of a Roman orgy, you never imagine that they had to go down and turn up the oil heat first. It was somehow magically warm there, you know. It was just, just groovy, you know. (laughs) <laughs> the, the pool was was great and the, and the grapes were chilled just right I mean at the orgy you know? and it was all done naturally. Well that's what you see down here in this area and, and and I think the hedonists have come into Florida and Southern California. Incidentally, I'm making a personal prediction here and, and it's basically this. Of course the state has made a great transition the state of Florida from its earlier, connotation. You know, the state used to be primarily an agricultural place uh, with a great growth of retirees. The retirees came down many years ago and with a sprinkling of high society that just came down to escape the weather. By the way, high society has always been hedonistic going all the way back to the Greeks and the Romans. The higher society you go, the more hedonistic Quite often is the life. That's the jet set, for example, uh, is very hedonistic. They they never spend much time in Alaska. Uh, you know, Jackie isn't jetting to Juno tonight. So <laughs> the hedonism is, is part of, of uh, the society and the society of money, the society people who uh, spend it on the Riviera, uh, spend it in Palm Beach. So anyway, the state has changed though in that then the general walking around hedonists have come in. Which means that this state, I would say personally, is roughly at the position that California was in about 1938 or 39. I well, wonder how many people know that California at one time was known as the Old People State. It was also known as Iowa by the Sea. <laughs> now we think of California as the ultimate in the you know the youth culture state, and uh, that's what's happening to this state fast. And I'd say by 1985, this state will have passed Florida as the ultimate youth uh, cult state in the nation. There will always be the retirees, just as they're on California. But they're just a small, muted part. Incidentally, uh, the youth cult and the retirees share a lot more in common than they do with all the rest of the population first of all they both have nothing to do generally you know and they both are Sun worshippers they both worship the water and generally they both have a lot of money to spend which other people are providing (laughs) or did so if you're getting a a pension somewhere that's you know comes in the mail what difference is it comes in the mail if you're a pensioner than if a check comes in the mail from your old man. It comes in the mail. You're out every day, you know, hacking away at the weeds, you know, earning it. And so there's a great parallel. Incidentally, speaking of other other esoterica you see down here, I wonder how many of you have, uh, have been, uh, you know, has it been pointed out to you that one of the last strongholds of a great popular sport in America, which was... Hard to believe it, but at one time it was almost as big in some parts of the country as pro football is today. Polo is played down here. Now you know if you were to if you were to ask somebody a question uh, like, uh, say, what sport uh, drew upwards of, of thirty and forty thousand people every Sunday to uh, an armory in New York or to uh, Long Island. They would never guess polo. But polo used to be a number one, and not among rich people, just people. They all go to see polo. And guys like famous polo players like Tommy Hitchcock were as big as uh, Mickey Mantle. Tommy Hitchcock being a a great uh, legendary polo player. And they still play it down here. One of the great things about going to see polo, for example, in Boca Raton, is it's the only place I know of In in America, where a guy walks around in a stand, and instead of selling hot dogs, he sells champagne. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's kind of (laughs) nice. How's that for hedonism, incidentally? (laughs) I mean, uh, you know, they may wind up with Nubian handmaidens to throw grapes at you, you know, while you watch the polo. But uh, that's uh, that's part of the hedonism. Of course, another thing that is very, very big down here is, uh, as I really should report on this if you're going to report on uh, what life is like down in southern, uh, uh, southern Florida, is, it, is you get a sense that southern Florida has more New Yorkers in it than the, than the Bronx has. You know, it's as if the population of the Bronx changes every four years and they ship all the used Bronxites right down Highway 95 to, to, to Pompano Beach. <laughs> and then they grow another crop and they ship them down, and uh, yeah, there's, there's, uh, and, and of course, that gives that gives a, a very interesting, curious, a, really a curious, a mirror-like quality to many of the places around here. For example, you drive along A1A and you see a furniture store, and uh, here's you know it's the uh, it's the uh, Bamboo and Chintzy Furniture Store, right? There's out in front. See, Mr. Bamboo and Fred Chintzy are running it. All right. It says the uh, Bamboo and Chelsea Furniture Store. And they have in permanent sign, in a big neon sign, it says, we're from Wisconsin. Now, well, what the hell does that mean? Have you seen that down here? You don't see that anywhere else. I mean, if you drive through uh, Indianapolis, you don't see a furniture store. It says, uh, I'm from Euclid, Ohio, out in front. <laughs> but down here, where you're from, provides a a sort of index of what you are. In fact, they have Indiana clubs down here where people go to these clubs every Saturday and sit around, and the only connection they've got is the fact that they once lived in Indiana or Iowa or Ohio or uh, Wyoming, and they have clubs, and they meet. Now, I don't know what they do. Do they sit around and talk about... uh (laughs) By the way, if they were back in Indiana, they wouldn't talk. But uh, that's part of, the, part of the scene down here. Incidentally speaking, another part of the scene, uh, they're very big down here in shopping centers, of course. This is part of the new world down here. In shopping centers, the opening of a shopping center resembles really, uh, it must have been like that when they opened uh, uh, the Lincoln Memorial. Because thousands of people come, the mayor shows up, often the governor shows up. Uh, mayors are very curious down here. They, they seem to spend a lot of their time either running for election, or being indicted. Uh, <laughs> have you noticed that? <laughs> in fact, uh, police chiefs are constantly fleeing. Uh, you pick up the paper down here. and they're, they're invariably uh, indicting some guys who's in the state legislature. And uh, particularly mayors down here keep getting into trouble. In fact, they often get in trouble in other states. Just the other day, there was a big story about a, a mayor that was recently picked up on a big drug bust And uh, he was up in North Carolina, and he's the ex-mayor of a town down here. And drug busts, by the way, are very big down here, too. I mean, fantastic ones. In fact, the biggest current story is the story of this cop. You know, he's just walking around. He's just doing his thing. He's driving along. And he sees these guys uh, coming ashore down here on Biscayne Bay, right? And uh, 23 tons of pot. Do you know how much 23 tons of pot is? I mean... I mean, yeah, I now mean, yeah, that, 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 that's a figure that see most people just throw off because they're used to 23 tons of coal or 23 tons of rock. But uh, 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 one frond of the marijuana plant, can you imagine how much it weighs? It's minute. It's like 23 tons of, uh, of uh, leaves. Yeah, 23 tons and uh, these guys were all rolling ashore with boats (laughs) I kind of like it Sin is so naked down here and he sees them and he gets out of his squat, and he says hey you guys stop that at that point they all ran into the weeds some of them jumped into the water and uh, for the the next three days the uh, Miami police spent their days in boats fishing giant bales of pot out of uh, Biscayne until finally they wound up with 23 tons of it which, incidentally, they burnt up in a uh, in a Broward County incinerator to, uh, by the way, great, great, great moans of sorrow of large parts of the population when they saw that smoke going up. So, <laughs> I don't know what happened when the wind got a hold of that uh, incinerator's output, though, but can you imagine it blowing west and all of Naples is higher than a kite? But... Uh, <laughs> Oh, you could get some exciting things down here. This this uh, this part of the country is far more than a tourist paradise because you see man in the raw down here. As a matter of fact, uh, the other day I walked into a, to a supermarket down here, and uh, they uh, of course it was after the big New Year celebrations and all that stuff had disappeared. And uh, and you know how it is when you go into a, a store about two, two or three weeks after Christmas, they're always selling Christmas cards at half price, uh, or you go into a place after Valentine's Day and they have uh, candy hearts at half price. Well, they were selling TV Super Bowl snack kits at half price. Because, uh, you know... <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know what a Super Bowl TV snack kit is, but you could get one at the Publix at half price. After the Super Bowl is over, what the heck you going to do with a TV Super Bowl snack kit? I guess what you do is you, you buy one of them and save it for the next Super Bowl. You see, like, you you know... <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah, uh, uh, TV and Super Bowls are very big down here. The word super is used continually uh, throughout Florida, describing everything from uh, a used pinto to a major folk right. You know what one of the big stars, of course, on television is down here, and all TV newscasts, is the weatherman. They have weather forecasts that go on for 8, nine, ten minutes, and there's never any weather. But what he talks about is weather in other places. He loves to say that it was seven degrees in Chicago. And then they'll show you a picture of Chicago. <laughs> you know, having seven degrees. He said, but you ain't seen nothing. In Buffalo, it was four below. Then they show you a picture of buffalo. In Cleveland, it was 17 degrees and sleet. Then there's a picture of Cleveland. And then briskly at the end, he says, uh, here in Miami, it's uh, 71 tomorrow the high will be between 75 and 78. Uh, uh, There's something called government cut down here they always refer to. There will be a slight chop and uh, small craft warnings are eternally out in southern Florida. And so this land down here is a reflection and kind of a reverberation.